Avondale are the second best Italian team in the world, goalkeeping howlers at Dandy City. The Sharks get thinned by Hume, and Brandt gets stitched up by a Ukrainian. Ladies and gentlemen, it's match week 17 of the Semi-Pro Potty. Gibson, another week of football, a lot of football this week. How are you going? I am doing very well, thank you, William Chambers. I'm glad to be here talking about the NPL Victoria. As always, we have another weekend of uh, intriguing results to discuss today, so I'm very much looking forward to that, and uh, we'll have a little bit of a chat about some international football as well, mate. It was an early morning uh, watching the Euros final. Yeah, um, look, it was great. We'll get to it later. But, you know, we do this sort of segment every week that you're definitely flying the flag for. Um, I have got something on this week. I have kind of bucked the trend of just wearing warm clothing because it's cold. Branson, actually, yeah, I'm going to jump first. I've got an Avondale scarf on. Um, Obviously, don't have an Italy jersey because of the 2006 World Cup. Those wounds Mm. will never heal. But do have a scarf of an Italian club, so I figure that's close enough. So I was wearing that one today. It was a lot of fun. It's an Avondale scarf. Forza Italia. Yes. Very good. Very uh, on point, you know. A a good day to wear it, I reckon. Yeah. Um, What about you, mate? I am wearing a very cool kit, I think. It is the Union Berlin home kit from their first season in the Bundesliga in the top five. Also their 100-year anniversary kit. I thought, you know what, that's a cool kit. Saw it on eBay, 35 bucks coming from Ukraine. I'll, uh, I'll pull the trigger, go ahead and get it. Was very excited for it to come. Uh, it arrived in the mail a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, you beauty. Open it up, though. Uh, and found a bit of a surprise, mate. Uh, the uh, the kit did not quite match the photo description. Uh, the photo showed that the kit had a front of shirt sponsor. The one that I'm wearing does not, but that's not the biggest thing. Uh, the Union Berlin badge is on the kit. However, it is on upside down. So uh, my oh. Ukrainian mate, <laughs> yeah. So my Ukrainian mate from eBay has uh, stitched me up there, quite literally, because he's stitched on the badge upside down, which I I have a suspicion leads me to think that it may not be an authentic kit. Can you please, like, reach out to him and just, like, don't say that you think it's a fake kit. Don't be that inflammatory, but just be like, oh, hey, man, kit's great, but there's just, like, a spot on it. Like, uh, can I get, like, a (laughs) refund or something? Like, Like, just, and he'll be like... What the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just find something fickle. That, 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 that is a good idea. But, uh, yeah, so I was very excited for my Union Berlin kit, and uh, it didn't quite match the hype. Branson, but... for how much you are into kits, I thought you would have learnt that you just don't trust. Like, you don't do it. You, like, if it's too good to be true in terms of kits, it fucking is. Well, this is probably the uh, the first time I've been properly stitched up on on eBay, but uh, that's all right. We will. Uh, you win some, you lose some, mate. Uh, you and- do. Um, on the topic of winning and losing some, there were some fixtures this weekend, and as often happens in most weekends, uh, there is a winner, there is a loser, and there are sometimes some shared points and draws. Let's jump into it because the first game you looked at was a big game and a big win to Bentley Greens three 0 over Heidelberg. Absolutely, mate. There was a lot on the line in this one. Two teams that we thought would be right up at the pointy end of the table found themselves sort of at risk of dropping out of the finals. So it would have been a game that both teams definitely wanted to win to sort of get their seasons back on track. Uh, But it was the Bentley Greens, mate, as you said, who got the points with a 3-0 victory. Uh, Heidelberg, though, watching the game, they seem to have the better first half. They had three times as many shots as the Greens did in the opening 45 minutes, but it was Bentley who led at the break. 
Braden Crowley got on the end of a wicked cross from Pierce Waring to make it 1-0. In the second half, again, I thought Heidelberg uh, looked looked good. They had some good chances in the first 10 minutes to try to find an equaliser but couldn't convert. Uh, Pierce Waring, though, made them pay, adding Bentley's second in the 57th minute before converting from the penalty spot with 10 to go to wrap up the result. Uh, and Heidelberg, mate, I thought they'll feel hard done by by this one. I thought they deserved a goal. I thought they attacked well enough. They were a bit unlucky. Uh, Lopez, the Bentley goalkeeper, made a very good save in the second half to keep out a would-be equaliser. But, you know, Heidelberg, as I said at the start, you know, they would want to be up at the pointy end of the table. They are winless in their last three, and that loss means that they now sit 11 points off top spot, which is massive. I did have a feeling, you know, at the start of the year that Heidelberg might uh, regress a little bit or, or, or fall away, but 11 points, is that's a massive gap. Uh, on the other end, though, Bentley snap a two-game losing streak. They're able to stay in the title race. Uh, I think they're eight points behind Avondale, a little bit closer, but uh, well and truly in the fight for, for second spot as well. But it was uh, an important win for Bentley, one they needed to have. Uh, a question for you, mate. Do you think it's a bigger win for Bentley or a worse loss for Heidelberg? Yeah, I think you touched on it there, and it's a worse loss for Heidelberg for me because, I mean, we'll get to some of the later games, but, you know, there's just no one that I can see in the league at the moment catching Avondale, and 11 points is now definitely unassailable in my opinion. Um, And they've just not, like, exactly, you said it as well. They have regressed a bit since last year and the last few seasons. Obviously, they've been very strong in the last few seasons. And I think maybe there's lacking a little bit of potency at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I think just Heidelberg, it's it's points loss that really hurt them here. And I think it changes the complexion of their season more than it does Bentley. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the theme for this round is there are a lot of tight matchups, games where no, neither team would want to lose because it really hurts their, their table position. And in this case, it was Heidelberg. Uh, who got the rough end of the stick. Another game, though, that had uh, lots of implications, the Knights taking on Oakley Cannons. Again, this was a game that neither team really wanted or could afford to lose, and in the end, neither did. It was a draw, mate. Tell me about this one. Yeah, so this was a really interesting one where it was probably a little bit of a lackluster game from my watch, but, um, you know, it's look, it's a... It's a weird one in the context of the table because it's a point for Knights that pulls them level with Port, which maybe a statement two years ago, that sounded about right. But Knights obviously have been hit pretty hard by injuries. So, you know, that point kind of doesn't help them in their sort of recovery from that slump. Um, but Oakley, you know, it just gives Avondale, a, we'll get to the table later, I think it's something like an eight-point lead. And... That at the moment looks unassailable. So drop points by Oakley here, I think, gives a lot of buffer for Avondale. Not that they're going to take their foot off the gas because they look like an absolutely different kind of gravy this season. But, um, yeah, I think in terms of implication for the table, this shared points, 1-1, one, one, it, it really helps the teams around them. Um, to the game itself, you know, it was, uh, it was nothing that really impressed me in this one. Uh, guest put Oakley Cannons in front just after the halftime break. Uh, ten minutes later, ten minutes later, I think it was Samaro would equalise for Knights and a couple of chances either side that neither team really capitalised off of. But you know, it's just a it was a weird match which kind of fit the result in a way where no team would be happy with the scoreline from this, and I'd say probably the performance as well. But Branson, just a quick one for you: Have Oakley? with this drop points, given Avondale too much of a lead? Oh, I mean, it's tight. It, oh, well, it's not tight. It's an eight-point gap, I think, or seven, seven or eight. Uh, seven-point gap. I mean, it's hard to tell. I, I think they might have. I think Avondale, and we'll talk about them in a moment, but they're really sort of hitting their stride. They've still only lost one game this season. Oakley... I think on paper they look very strong, and we have seen, 
you know, that they are very strong. Like, despite the draw, they've still won three of their last four games. So I think they might have. I don't see Avondale slipping up too many more times. But, I mean, we could be wrong. We've seen Avondale do it in the past. But I think Oakley, yeah, this result might just make that buffer just too big. It, is, it essentially extends it to three games rather than two. So, yeah. for me, I, I think it, it might be advantage, big advantage Avondale now. Yeah, and I think for mine, there feels like a, a bit more of an inevitability to Avondale this year in a good way. Um, previously, it was like, oh, how are they going to screw this up? But, I mean, they just look great. But there is a bit more inevitability in the table. But at the other end, where we had a big six-pointer that ended in a big no-pointer, or one-pointer, uh, Altona versus Dandy City. Bran, talk us through this one. Well, mate, there was a ton on the line in this one. We mentioned before games that neither team really could afford to lose. Uh, This was certainly one of them. Uh, It was an absolutely freezing night out in Dandenong. 8.30 kickoff on Friday. Uh, Absolutely very, very cold. Uh, Altona, though, they came out firing despite the cold weather. They absolutely... Yeah, sorry, mate. Absolutely dominated in the first half. They had a bunch of chances. They were eventually able to capitalize just before half time when Jonas Markovsky's header found the back of the net. Mate, you said in the intro there was a couple of howlers. This was the first one. His header, to be fair, it was straight at the city keeper, Yasmin Karanovic, who I thought actually did quite well to get two hands on it. He, sorry sort of parried the ball straight up. It looked like he tipped it over the bar, but it dipped just below the crossbar and bounced in. Uh, good goal for Altona. They were able to capitalize on their strong start. They ha- uh, sorry, outshot City 7-1 to one in the first half. But I'll tell you what, mate, at the break, the fog of change descended, uh, literally and figuratively. Ooh, the fog Quite good. The fog absolutely rolled in. Uh, great to see. You can see it on the broadcast. You could see it at the game. Uh, and you couldn't see it. much else at the game for a while there. <laughs> you literally couldn't. You could just watch the fog get lower and lower. Uh, but that's what Danny City apparently needed. They took control of the game in the second half. They looked far more likely to score. It really was a, a game of two halves, this one. They had nine shots to three in the second half, so really sort of flipping the script from what we saw in the first 45. Fortunately for Dandy City, though, one of those nine shots found the back of the net. Altona, though, won't be too happy about it. It was a long-range effort from Nick Kalmar. It did dip and move a little bit, but it looked like a shot that you'd want to have Save Stephen King, the Altona goalkeeper. It looked like he got two hands to it. He sort of parried it, but it, the shot took him towards the post and he parried it back across goal and it then bounced and spun in. So a really tough goal to concede uh, for Altona, especially considering like he, I mean, I was going to say he saved it. He sort of did, but he didn't. But uh, if you get what I mean, uh, tough way to lose uh, the win there for Altona. It uh, that goal, sorry, came in stoppage time as well, really late on. Uh, overall, I thought Altona were better. I thought their first half was stronger than Dandy City's second half. And, of course, they conceded a stoppage time equaliser. So that's that's going to be a, a, a tough pill to swallow for them. But, again, mate, this is just a result that didn't doesn't really do either side a ton of good. They're both down the wrong end of the table. They're running out of games to win. If you can't beat another team in the relegation zone, who are you going to beat? Um, Both these teams sit above Dandy City. If you had to, uh, sorry, St. Albans, if you had to pick one who you think is more likely to survive, mate, is it Altona or Dandy City? Who are you taking? I mean, you could just flip a coin. Yeah, literally. (laughs) There's there's a perfect symmetry, I think, to this game where (laughs) shared points, both goals conceded were from goalkeeping mistakes. And they're it just like, again, I just I can't pick anything between them. And I think this, this fixture kind of highlights that really clearly, that they're just both pretty abysmal. And, you know, I could have an opinion. Obviously, I have a soft spot for Dandy City, so I think they're one of the better better club setups in, in Victorian football. But, I mean, on the pitch, they're just... 
But it's not there. So, yeah, look, I'm just not even going to answer it. Flip a coin, that's my answer. Altona or Dandy City. Yep, fair enough. There you go. I think <laughs> if, I'll, I'll put my, my, uh, my opinion out there. I think Altona would be more likely to survive than Dandy City, which is a big statement for a team that's only won one game. But if I had to be yeah. one, I, would, I, I think Altona have looked more convincing, as convincing as a team that, as we just said, has only won one game. Uh, can look. But, mate, a team who has been the opposite of convincing lately, South Melbourne, they have been uh, really struggling in the league. They've had some poor run of form. Were they able to turn it around against Green Gully? Um, it's an interesting way to look at it because I haven't bothered to fact check how many games it's been since South Melbourne had a win or got some points. I wrote down in my notes about a decade, so there's a little bit of hyperbole <laughs> for us. But it has been a very long time. So South Melbourne won, Green Gully won. It might be actually a good point for South. But, you know, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird one because Green Gully are not that great and both of these teams looked pretty average. Uh, some pretty poor defending on both ends of the pitch. Uh, look, Digadoy would put uh, Green Gully ahead in the fourth minute. They got off to a pretty good start, actually. I think they had a shot on Tiger and a corner all in the first four minutes and caused a lot of grief. It's a lovely header, actually. Um, sort of a nice little leap to sort of loop it in. It looked very good, so check it out on the highlights reel. But, um, look, just very average defending at both ends. 64th minute, Jankovic got a pen for, I think it was a handball. That equalised for South Melbourne. And just pretty lacklustre from there on out. Um, Souths, again, they've got a point now. Maybe they can turn that into a run of not losses, but they still looked far off the mark in this one. Um, Green Gully got a win last week. We were pretty unconvinced by it because they have been pretty average this season. So I think this result does confirm that last week's win was a bit of a blip, more than a little bit of a run of form. So, yeah, I just think this game, the less you say about it, the better. The point probably helps neither team, but kind of shows us where they're really at. Um, But Bran, given this sort of point and where Souths are at, do you think they will make the finals? That's a good question. I'm going to say no. I don't think they will. Um, I've just had a quick look at their form. They've lost five. So sorry, they're winless in their last seven games in the league. They've lost five of those. I think heading into the back end of the season, what we've got nine games left. I think there are teams around them who are surging. Teams like the Dandenong Thunder, teams like Port Melbourne, who are trending in the right direction where South Melbourne sort of seemed to be in free fall. Uh, we'll talk about it later as well, but with the FFA Cup, they've got a huge fixture coming up. I wouldn't be surprised if they turn their attention onto that more so than the league. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to make finals. I just think this run of form has absolutely killed them. Yeah, and I don't think they'll get relegated either. So you're exactly oh, no. right. They can kind of put their eggs in the cup basket. But, I mean, they've got to play the A-League champions. And let's be honest, the runaway A-League champions. And, yeah, look, if I see any of the defending that they put on show against Green Gully, against City, I have no reason to think that it's not going to be a 26 nil absolute thumping from <laughs> City. So, uh Look, let's just hope that they maybe do focus a little bit more on that fixture and try and get something out of it. But, Bran, there is one team that is setting the league on fire. Eastern Lions nil, Avondale 4. I will preface this quickly by saying this was the result that made me realise that Avondale had it because they're just consistent. Yes, they should be beating Eastern Lions. Yes, they should be beating them by four goals, and they did. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, this was a good sort of warm-up for, for the Euros as well. You know, this is English club Eastern Lions taking on Italian club Avondale. I think this was the uh, the overlooked matchup. you know, when it came to uh, England-Italy clashes this weekend. But, uh, yeah, as you said, it was a good performance overall from Avondale. Despite the scoreline, though, the first half was actually really tight. Christian Trajewski gave... Avondale the lead after 10 minutes but after that the Eastern Lions really really took it to to Avondale and made Avondale look really uncomfortable in defense uh goalkeeper Rory Bryan was forced to make 
a number of saves to preserve Avondale's lead. He had another very, very good game. The Lions actually had more shots and more shots on target than Avondale did in the first half. It was 1-0 at the break, so it really was a game on at that point. But like we saw last week when Avondale were taking on Bentley, uh, after the halftime break, Avondale were really able to just sort of kick it up a gear. Stefan Valentini netted his 12th of the goal, uh, sorry, his 12th goal of the season shortly after the restart. Uh, a red card for the Lions with uh, about 15 minutes ago really killed any chance of a comeback. Uh, things got worse for the Eastern Lions after that. Valentini added his second, Joey Katabian. Uh, capped it off with Avondale's fourth in uh, stoppage time to make it 4-0. So a pretty convincing result in the end, a result that extends Avondale's unbeaten run to 18 consecutive games. Jesus. Quite quite a lengthy streak. That does include uh, cup games where I think uh, for the entire cup, they drew teams who were below them in the league. uh, Sorry, in the league below them, but we've seen in the NPL this season there. Certainly uh, holding their own against top flight sides. Uh, For the Eastern Lions, though, I thought they did well. Uh, The first half, they were really unlucky not to get a goal. Rory Bryan made uh, a couple of really, really good saves, as I said, uh, to deny him. So I think, you know, in the end, they just couldn't stick with him. Avondale were just just too good. But for the Eastern Lions, uh, a strong result, one that... uh, Sorry, not a strong result, a strong performance, which... Despite the result, I still think that they will survive there. Four points above the relegation zone. I think they'll be able to maintain that gap. Mate, the next game, though, that we want to talk about, Port Melbourne taking on Hume City. Two teams who have been in uh, pretty darn hot form. They've sort of had a second half of the season resurgence. Uh, What happened in this one? Yeah, look, uh, that's an interesting one. Not not probably the barn burner that I thought it would be, given the form of the two sides. But Andy Brennan, the lone goal scorer in this one, it was around the half-hour mark. Look, it was pretty much after some beautiful build-up play from Josh Bingham. Look, he just danced past a couple of defenders, got a shot off. Shot lacked a lot of venom, but it was kind of parried into the path of Brennan, who was able to header at home. Uh, that would be the only goal in the game, but... To be honest with you, the result for this one, Hume are starting to get into. You said it before, some great form. That's three wins on the trot for them. But also for Port, we used to see them go up and down. They're, they're, they're sort of like results worm used to look like a, a win, a draw, a loss, <laughs> a loss, a win, a draw, two draws, three losses, and it was just all over the place. They have not lost in their last nine games, um, and that is amazing. So... I think Port Melbourne are a lot better this season and we do see that reflect in the table. And I think when we're talking about how competitive finals chase is and how we don't think that South can really put something together, I think it's off the back of some of the good form from some of the mid-table teams. And Port Melbourne, I think, probably upset that they didn't perform as well in this one because Hume, you know, let's be honest, in a game where Bingham doesn't score, you probably want to try and get a point. Um, but they managed to not. So not through any fault of their own. I just thought it was a bit of a weird game where one goal was enough for it. Yeah, mate, do you think uh, Josh Bingham, do you think he's in a a (laughs) goal-scoring drought? Because I think before this week he'd scored, what, in 10 or 11 consecutive games, and uh, he hasn't scored this week. So, I mean, how's he going to stop the rot? Yeah, I mean, double training sessions this week for him, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) is Is he still golden boot leader with... yeah? Yeah, 13. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, still great. has the lead in that, but yeah. uh, he did see what was it? I think it was like ten or eleven consecutive league games that he'd he'd scored in. So yeah, so crazy. I think it was ten. I think this was the eleventh game. This would right. have been the eleventh game. I'm not sure. Look, you I, look. I'll stay in my lane. You're the stats checker. I'm the. Well, it was it was last one of wins the two. in five. It was it was one of the two. But anyway, the uh, drought came to an end. But uh, good result for you, mate. Very good result for Hume. Brand, one more game to take us home. Look, we've been talking a lot about Dandy Thunder and praising them this year. They got a 1-0 win over St. Albans. Talk us through this one. 
They sure did. They dominated everywhere but the scoreboard. They had 12 shots to three in the first half of the Thunder, 10 shots to two in the second half as well. Hamish Watson, uh, the Kiwi, gave the Thunder the lead 17 minutes in. Uh, St. Albans couldn't clear the danger after a cross, and Watson was there to... uh, Bundle the ball over the line. Uh, the goal was shot in a, a beautiful, soft focus. Um, we will get to that later on in the that so semi-professional section. Y- yeah, absolutely. So when I say the goal was bundled over the line, I uh, I don't know what it came off. I don't know if he headed it in or chested it in or shouldered it in, but uh, you couldn't really get a great look at it on it. But uh, the ball ended up in the back of the net. So that's all that really matters. Uh, Despite a bunch of chances, though, uh, throughout the rest of the game, the Thunder couldn't add another goal. Bradley Murray for St. Albans had their best chance. A rocket of a shot went just over the bar in the second half. That was the closest they would come to uh, scoring a goal of their own. But, yeah, in the end, it was a a 1-0 win for for Dandy Thunder. They had 22 shots. Only one of them went in, but that was was all they needed. And it was a key result for them as well. Uh, Other results above them mean they are now well and truly in amongst the finals fight. They have four wins in their last six. For St. Albans, though, four consecutive defeats for them. They remain winless in their last 15. Uh, It's not good for St. Albans, is it, mate? No, absolutely not. Um, Before when I said you could toss a coin between Altona and Dandy City, it's amazing that there is a team that is worse than them in the league this year. So St. Albans are very much holding up at the bottom of the table. And I don't see that changing. I think, you know, that fact, the fact they're winless in their last 15, that is form of a relegation side, if ever I saw it. It, it certainly is. The one thing I will say for St. Albans, uh, we'll get to the table in just a moment, but uh, they're, only, they're only one point from safety, you know, like uh, it's, it's still slightly too early to put a line through them. They're, they're quite fortunate they haven't got a, much of a gap there, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the uh, relegation battle plays out. But, mate, let's, uh, before we look at the ladder, have a look at our tips because we had a, I would say, an above-average week. Yeah, I, I reckon week. our average is maybe two. <laughs> yeah, so I, was, I, saw, I saw our tips number and I was impressed. I'm very happy well, with this. We got, we got four. So out of seven, we got four. So more than 50%. So I feel like that is, uh, that's quite, quite good. We out-tipped my mum. She got three. So uh, good on us. Um, we're not keeping yeah. track of uh, who's uh, our, our tipping head-to-head, but I, I do think mum would still pee in the lead there. Yes. Um, look, you said it before, we're going to get to the ladder. I'm going to blitz us through this one this week. Out in front, clear, we've spoken about them, ad nauseum, 38 points in the lead, Avondale FC. In second, Oakley Cannons on 31 points. In third and fourth, on 30 points, we have Hume City and Bentley Greens, respectively. Fifth on 27 points is Heidelberg United. And sixth is Port Melbourne on 26 points. They're level on points with Knights, who are in seventh. Dandy Thunder as well. We've spoken about them in eighth on 25 points. Ninth, South Melbourne on 24 points. Green Gully on 20 points in 10th. And then we start to get to the Eastern Lions, the bottom part of the table, 11th on 15 points. And then the bottom three of Altona, Dandy City and St. Albans. Altona and Dandy City are in 12th and 13th on 11 points. St. Albans Saints, bottom of the table, 10 points. It doesn't look pretty for them. No, but uh, what does look pretty is the... uh the uh, fixture. No, that's a terrible... What am I trying to say? Go I'll on. You can do I'll this. You can do a segue. What, what does look tasty is the feast of football awaiting NPL Victoria fans. Uh, mate, that ladder, the race for second place is well and truly on. Uh, the gap between fifth and ninth is a, a three-point gap there. So a bunch of teams will be battling it out for the finals and only one point separating the bottom three. So there's a bunch of great races. It's not just uh, Le Tour de France and the Formula One that are doing all the racing at the moment. It's the NPL Victoria as well. Oh, that was better. 
Thank you. Better by you. Butchered Topical it, but- and good. Butchered it at the start, but uh, came home strong. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Branson, do you know who else is coming home strong this season? Who? South Melbourne in the NPLW, but that's not the first game we're going to take a look at. You are pretty much running the NPLW show this week. We had four fixtures. Branson, talk us through firstly Calder United. Yep, they were taking on Box Hill, our, uh, I was about to say favourite. They might be, well, they've got our favourite nickname that, that, that we came up with, the mighty triangles, Box Hill Pythagoras. Uh, this one was all one-way traffic uh, in Calder's direction. No, not a great day for the mighty triangles. Calder dominated from the outset and throughout. There were first half goals from Harriet Withers and Julia Sardo. Natasha Dakic added Calder's third in the second half. Mate, this was just a strong performance from, from Calder, to be honest. Uh, not great from Brox Hill. Uh, you could really sort of see the, the golf in uh, cl- not class, but ability or on on field ability between these two teams. Uh, Calder are very, very strong. They've been able to sort of uh, bounce back from a little bit of a blip with a- another good result. But, mate, rolling straight on to the next game, Bulleen, another good result for them as well. They were taking on Heidelberg United. They were 7 Nil winners. The uh, sorry, the Lions really managed uh, to sink their teeth into Heidelberg. Alana Jansevski opened the scoring just four minutes in. That really set the tone. Uh, there were a couple of long-range bangers from uh, Tiffany uh, Eli Desand. I've been practicing that one. Hopefully, I got that right. Tessa Cernio in. The first half also scored a long-range banger for Bulleen. Two ripper goals there. In the second half, uh, Yasevsky scored two more to bring up her hat-trick while Rachel Quigley netted a brace as well. For Heidelberg, unfortunately, second week in a row, they have been hit for seven. Uh, But for Bulleen, another strong performance. They deserved... The win, obviously, and they looked quite good. The uh, the ease in which they were able to uh, exploit Heidelberg at the back for a couple of those goals was uh, fantastic to watch. So a good result for them. Uh, mate, you mentioned South Melbourne at the top as well. They were taking on Alamein. Mate, the South Melbourne juggernaut, it just keeps on rolling. They were just too good. They ran out 5-0 winners over Alamein. It was 3-0 in the first half after two goals from Melina Ayres and one from Lucy Johnson. The second half was more even somewhat. Alamein were able to uh, stem the tie there and hold South at uh, hold South Melbourne off. Sorry for for quite a while. South Melbourne though they did add two goals late on through Natalie Martineau and Yana Lawson. That was eight wins in a row for South Melbourne. They sit on top of the ladder. Alamein, I thought they did well in terms of they were competitive despite the scoreline, but, I mean, it's really hard to see who's going to stop South Melbourne this season, mate. The last game, funnily enough, uh, (laughs) includes a side that is the only side to stop South Melbourne yet this season. FV emerging, they were 2-0. Winners over Bayside. Holly Murphy scored a great goal to give Emerging the lead in the first half. Bayside were without a win heading into this one, but they did generate some good chances. Uh, they had a header for the lead in the first half go painstakingly close. It was it went just over the crossbar. They had an equaliser crush into the crossbar as well in the second half. Uh, FE Emerging, though, looked a little bit shaky, but a goal from the penalty spot from Leah Varley with five minutes to go secured the secured the win. Sorry, almost. I uh, don't know what was going on there, but they secured the win for FE Emerging. Not a thoroughly convincing display from Emerging, but they were able to get the job done. Uh, but there were some positive sides for Bayside there too as well. Still chasing their first win but they were able to uh, look a little bit stronger against one of the teams who is uh, in the top four at the moment, mate. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, take, talk me what, through the ladder, mate. Yeah, and I think there's one thing to say about it. Obviously, that win for FV emerging, look, Bayside are definitely the get out of all team in the league, but there definitely is a split in the table of the top four 
that race between second, third, and fourth is really spicy. So we've said it before, out in front, South Melbourne on 30 points. They are five points clear of Bulleen Lions, who are on 25 points. Then in third and fourth, we have got Calder and FE Emerging sharing 22 points. Um, and that's really the top four. They are the, the, the teams that look like they are in some very good form this season and can probably get out each other, but you just see South Melbourne five points clear there. They're doing really well, but wouldn't be surprised if a couple of changes around second, third, and fourth happen this season. In fifth, Heidelberg United on 13 points, big nine-point gap down to them from fourth, and then sixth, Alamein on 12 points, Box Hill United on four points in seventh, and Bayside United anchored to the bottom on zero points, 11 matches played, 11 losses. They are very much beatable this season. Yes, indeed. I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the football feast in the NPLW as well. You mentioned that that top four looks like South Melbourne will will go on to win the title, but Boleyn, Calder and FE emerging. It's going to be fascinating to see how uh, how that race for second spot uh, turns out. There's only three gaps between them. It sort of fluctuates each week. So looking forward to uh, some good WNPL victory action, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Brand, let's turn our head to some cup magic. Let's turn our heads towards some cup magic. Um, we have some results and we have some fixtures for the round of 32. Do you want to talk us through those? Absolutely. Taking a look at the results, Oakley Cannons faced off against South Melbourne. It was nil all after extra time. Game went to penalties. South eventually prevailed 5-6. to six. Uh, South Melbourne, Jerry Salados actually had a chance to win the game from the penalty spot. His shot crashed into the crossbar, but despite that, South were able to go on and advance to the national stage. Avondale, meanwhile, they were too good for NPL two-side Pasco Vale winning 4-1. Port Melbourne overcame Moreland Zebras. They had to uh, score late. I think it was like an 88th-minute equaliser uh, before winning in extra time over Moreland. Two goals to one. And Mumbolk Rangers, they've had a fantastic run. Uh, a state league side advancing all the way to uh, round seven of the FFA Cup qualifiers. They unfortunately saw their cup run come to an end with a 3-0 defeat against Hume City. The good news for those winners, mate, they all move on to the national stages of the round of 32 and we have the fixtures out for that. Uh, this year, it's a little bit different. They broke it into zones. So for the first round, you could only play teams in your region. So uh, the Victorian sides were in zone three. The matchups we'll see from that one. It'll be an all-A-League encounter. We'll have the Wellington Phoenix take on either Western United or the Newcastle Jets, whoever wins that playoff. Avondale will host Devonport City Strikers. Devonport are on top of the NPL Tasmania. Uh, Those two sides also met in the FFA Cup in 2018 as well. So a bit of a rematch there. Avondale won last time. It'll be good to see what happens this time round. Hume City will take on Port Melbourne. Uh, That's going to be a massive clash. We were talking about them both before, mate. They've been in red-hot form in the league. I'm excited to see them go head-to-head again. It was Hume who got the... Bickies on the weekend. Will they do it again in the cup, though? We'll just have to wait and see. And the last fixture is probably the biggest one. Well, definitely the biggest one of the bunch. South Melbourne taking on Melbourne City at Lakeside Stadium. Mate, that last one is going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be huge. And I touched on it before. I just, I want it to be, I don't want there to be a humiliation there. And like South Melbourne just need to do a lot of work off the park. You're right. If they turn their attention solely to that fixture, oh God, it could be an absolute barnstormer of a game. Like, I really do love it. It's exactly what we wanted the FFA Cup to be, bridging that gap between, you know, the the franchises of the A-League and the clubs that are steeped in history and the NSL and the NPL and, you know, really celebrating that sort of relationship and making it feel a little bit more connected instead of, at opposite ends of the spectrum. So I just do hope that South Melbourne can put in a good performance for it. Yeah, definitely. And we saw, uh, you know, the Knights when they hosted Adelaide United in the FFA Cup, how how great that was. There was a massive crowd out at Knights Stadium. We saw, what is it, the, the Knights Duck? 
was there yes, as well. Yes, we did see the Croatian duck. Yep, that was a great night. Great night for everyone. Absolutely. So hopefully uh, South Melbourne will have a, a, a packed stadium at, La- at Lakeside, you know, obviously COVID pending, but uh, hopefully that'll just be a fantastic night. Uh, big crowd, big game. Uh, turning our attention just very quickly to the other interesting or noteworthy FFA Cup matches, the Peninsula Power from Queensland, they'll face off against Brisbane Raw. Another big clash, we'll see Sydney Olympic take on Sydney FC. Uh, the other A-League sides in action, Broadmeadow Magic will face off against Western Sydney Wanderers. Blacktown City are drawn against the Central Coast Mariners. Of course, South against Melbourne City. We've got Newcastle Olympic taking on MacArthur FC. Adelaide City taking on either the Perth Glory or Melbourne Victory. And then Laureate Athena taking on Adelaide United as well. But, mate, that is not all the cup action. What else have we got? Yeah, look, we've got the Doherty Cup as well. So with that uh, round of 32 Victorian teams going through to the FFA Cup, um, we, of course, take those teams and put them in the Doherty Cup. We have got two semifinals ahead of us. Most semifinals there are two of. It's how it works. But we got Hume City taking on South Melbourne for a spot in the big dance. And on the other side of the draw, Port Melbourne Sharks versus Avondale. That is going to be a very interesting semifinals. I absolutely love it. I think it's going to be great. I think there's no team in there that, apart from maybe South Melbourne, that I think can't make a, a bit of an upset of it and get into the grand final. Yeah, definitely. But even then we saw South Melbourne, you know, get a bit of an upset against Oakley. So they they have shown that on a you know, on their day that they are certainly good enough. Uh mate, there's also some Nike FC Cup action this week. I got stitched up last week. I said uh I think it was Casey Cummins were playing South. That's what Sports TG told me. Sports TG was wrong. There are games this week though, mate. What are they? This week, we have got Bulleen Lions taking on Melbourne University Soccer Club. Uh, We've got Calder United taking on Alamein. Casey Comets taking on South Melbourne. And the Melbourne Knights taking on Box Hill Triangles. Branson, there's a lot of football in Victoria. A lot. Like, so much. We We almost need, like, two to three pods for it but we're only two people. We can only do so much. We can. I'm just excited to try to, well, I was going to say watch it all, but uh, yeah, to try to watch it all. But it's uh, some exciting times as well. The cup really, you know, adds uh, adds another another flavour to the footballing palette. So I'm it, looking, forward to, uh, looking forward to what's to come. Yeah, it absolutely does. And like you just look at it at teams that aren't having a great run in the league, there's something else to play for. It makes it a lot less mm. stale. So we do love that, but Brand. That's our review section done. We have gone through it in monstrous form. Well done. Let's turn our attention through to the things that are so semi-professional that we liked, and I'm going to kick us off. We touched on it before. There's things that we love in MPL football, and one of them is polls interrupting the broadcast. We had a poll interrupting the broadcast at the St. Albans game, but most importantly, we also had the autofocus turned on on the camera. So every time the camera went in front the poll went in front of the camera. It was auto-focusing on the poll, which meant we got some sort of, like, 80s or 90s, like, sort of soft lens, days of our lives kind of focus on the game, and it brought yeah. a whole new element to the MPL that I didn't think that we had. Yeah, well, things got a, a little bit blurry. Uh, we mentioned before, couldn't really see the Hamish Watson goal. Uh, at all, so that was yeah, just a bit of a classic, very uh, very on brand for uh, that's so semi professional. The one thing I will say though was it was better than the coverage of the Melbourne Knights Oakley Cannons game. That was a good one to be a fan going to watch. Uh, f- sorry, for a fan to go and watch live because the uh, the stream on that one was down for I think it was like the first almost 40 minutes where there was uh, no visuals there as well. So uh, if you look at the stats, it seemed like a fairly exciting uh, first half. Not that you could uh, actually view it if you were trying to watch it on the stream. So a little bit unfortunate there, mate. No, what else have you got on the things that are so semi-professional from this week? 
Well, this morning I got up to watch the Euros final. Uh, Italy defeated England on penalties. Uh, One thing that I saw, though, in uh, the grandstand, they cut away. They showed an Italian couple. It was a a man and a woman dressed up in, well, I was going to say Italian-themed costumes. They've gone gone hard on the stereotypes, though. the guy was dressed as Super Mario and uh, the lady he was with was dressed up as a pizza. So she was wearing a, like a pepperoni pizza outfit with an Italian, what would you call it, like a jester hat. But it was just sort of sort of good. They've gone, what should we wear to the game? I know. Let's uh, let's hit that stereotype pretty hard. So uh, it's I thought a that was hard, funny. It's a hard costume to pull off as well, the pizza, because it really <laughs> it is. It exacerbates your broad shoulders. Like going through doors in that outfit would be a absolute nightmare. So, and just very quickly, one thing that I thought was interesting was uh, for the pizza costume, they went for it was round, as in like the costume was representing a whole pizza. Would you go for that, or if you were wearing a pizza costume, would you go just for the slice? So, either round for the whole pizza mm-hmm. or just a triangle slice. What would you go for? I think I'd go the triangle slice. I just think, yeah, round what- is. Too really? ambiguous. Like you could, if you get it wrong, you could just look like a cookie. At what point it makes ah, no sense? Yes, no. True. Pizza yes. slice, kind of. It's kind of. I don't know. I think it's a bit better. But Brian, we're going to keep it going. We've got some negative semi-professional things that we. I mean, we could say that we didn't like them, but I think they're not even semi-professional. They're bare average. What have you got for yours? Well, first one that uh, that I saw was uh, England fans rushing the stadium. So apparently, it was fans without tickets were just you know breaking down barriers and and rushing into the into the stadium and into the seats. Uh, there's videos going around of it. It's just sort of bizarre to watch, and I don't really get how that situation sort of ended up happening. You know, but. Uh, for the fans, it's pretty bog average, you know, to to try to do that. I mean, COVID is just one factor in that as well as also just being a, a bit dog. But then there was also fighting in the stands as well. I think it was uh, fans, you know, trying to get in and others trying to keep them out. So that was just a pretty pretty crap, I thought, from uh, from some of the fans there trying to get into the final. Yeah, a daily reminder that humanity is shit and we all need to do a lot better. Um, My final one is one that's probably sort of come to fruition in the last couple of hours, but Channel 7 tweeting a news article about uh, England having three black players that missed penalties that lost them the Euros. Yeah. Which is just absolutely abhorrent, disgusting and... You know, I just like there's a lot of me that doesn't want to talk about it, but I think there's just you've now got you see these things happening consistently and from a major news outlet, like a major media outlet in Australia, you've just got to start calling it out and we've just got to start getting bullish with this sort of shit because it's just disgusting. It's just the kind of thing as well, like how do you miss the mark by that much? You know, like the the article itself, I think it was more meant to be about how the players who missed the penalties were being racially vilified on social media. Um, but then, you know, to have that as your headline and to sort of try to give it that angle is just shit, you know? Like it's, it's not good. I don't know how uh, they thought they could get away with it or how they thought that was acceptable. So, yeah, uh, yeah. pretty crap. When I first thought it, I, I actually thought it was fake because I was like, that can't be real. Yeah, 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 I agree. I, I thought the same of that too. And then you see that it's not and you just go, look, it it, it disappoints me, but it doesn't surprise me anymore. Like, well, I don't think it takes a genius to look at Australia and you know, with a lens realise that there's some regressive racist tendencies here and around the world and it's, just upsetting to see. But Branson, we are all inclusive. We are lovely. We are going to turn our attention to the things that we like because they're the things that we follow football for, the things that bring us joy. Yes. Bran, what have you got? Well, the thing here, here we go. The thing that brings me joy was, uh, funnily enough, I was watching England lose on penalties. I don't know. Uh, before the tournament, if you told me that England were going to win, I would have said, yep, fine, you know, I'm happy with that. You know, have have never won the Euros before. I've only won one World Cup. 
I'd be like, yeah, that was fine. But as the tournament sort of progressed, English fans, at least on social media, just seemed to get more and more annoying and obnoxious. Uh, I don't know about you, but I got pretty sick of the whole it's coming home stuff. You know, cool yeah. for the World Cup, but uh, uh, <laughs> are they just going to use that for, for every tournament? And I think it was Kasper Schmeichel as well, uh, the Danish Leicester City goalkeeper, said, uh, is it coming home? <laughs> Sorry, is it really coming home if it's a trophy that England have never won? So, I don't know. It was just, there was something satisfying about watching England lose on on penalties. Obviously, a very tough way to lose a game. And I am sympathetic, but uh, I would be lying if I said I didn't deride some sort of uh, joy from their, su- from their heartbreak. Su- yeah, yeah, you summed it up perfectly, though. At the start of the tournament, I thought England had a very serious chance and I was actually like excited for them. I thought that they were going to win it and I thought that was really exciting. But yeah, man, to get literally every other country in the world to go for Italy is quite an achievement. Well, and and even- I think you're right, singing a song, what, six weeks out from, maybe not six weeks, four weeks out from a final that you're going to win it. Oh God! It just makes you want them to lose. Like I felt really quite, <laughs> quite passionately pro-Italian, yeah, which and, and, blows and, my mind. Yeah, exactly. Well, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but just quickly, like I totally agree on that as well. Because let's not forget that Australians do not have the best uh, relationship with Italian football after the 2006 World Cup. You said it right at the start for kit bag that you don't have an Italian kit for that reason so to get a rather wrong way but yeah i i quite liked watching england lose mate well i watched the game from bed this morning but i did i live quite close to ligon street so i did a bit of a detour on my walk to work swung through ligon street and it was just great to see crowds of people passionate about something that isn't storming the capital in the u.s like it was great to see lots of flags, lots of chanting. There was one thing that I did really like that I didn't think that I'd pick up on, but there was a very, very sweet thing. It was, as I was walking down Ligon Street, the number of, like, good Italian boys who were on the phone to their nonos, FaceTiming mm. and talking about the Italy game was very wholesome and sweet. So, you know, we always sort of wax lyrical about how beautiful football is and it brings cultures and people together and it was a really nice little reminder that you know this is a you kind of football gets its meaning from family and culture and an identity and and uh, just to see that being celebrated you know very far away from you know the motherland was Mm. really nice to see yeah, and you're right, fantastic scenes, uh, a huge crowd there. I did see on Twitter, though, put this in the That's So Semi-Professional segment. They had uh, the game on a projector screen. Apparently, <laughs> the projector stopped working for most of extra time and the penalty shootout, so everyone had to watch the the penalty shootout on their phone. So imagine that, waking oh, up at 5 I in the morning. I kind of love it. It, it, it is cool. It. I mean, it just sort of adds to the storyline, but you wake up in the morning, you go out there, you stand in the cold to watch it on a screen, and then you don't, you end up watching it on someone else's phone. Uh, but yeah, and, you know, the celebrations were really good to see, mate. Yeah. And if you see the setup that the, uh, the, uh, the projector was on, it's on like an esky in a stool. It's just very, yeah. I, I'm, I, a lot of me is actually really angry that the Melbourne City Council or whoever controls Carlton didn't turn around because that is like a public space and it would have been very low cost for them to have actually properly announced it as a venue and put a little bit of money in there and well, not money, but just like given enough support to actually run it properly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I'll just say on Ligon Street. Uh, hopefully, all those, uh, all those people there who are so passionate about Italy win, hopefully they can get around Local football as well, you know, get around the Socceroos, get around the Matildas as well, uh, because we are, of course, all all in Australia and all part of the Australian family as well. But then also uh, get around some NPL teams. There are a bunch of uh, Italian clubs in the NPL. Avondale are one that we've mentioned. Bulleen, Lions are another as, uh, who is it, Brunswick, uh, Moreland Zebras, you know, so... Uh, it would be good to see some of those passionate Italian uh, fans ride the wave of euphoria all the way to an NPL game this weekend, I reckon. Mm, yes, it is. Um, anything else from you from what we liked, Bran? 
Yeah, I've got I've got three. Uh, the FFA Cup draw. Just very excited to have uh, the round of 32 to be on the national stage. A little bit different, obviously, with the zones, but I'm just looking forward to it. It was good to see uh, the South Melbourne Oakley game. You know, when South won, how much it meant to to them to qualify for it. Uh, I was at the Avondale game as well. They were pretty pumped. So it's just an exciting time. A whole bunch of uh, potential cup sets coming, a bunch of tasty fixtures. I'm just really looking forward to that. Uh, two other things I like very quickly. Uh, Green Gully's away kit. Uh, we saw that in the South Melbourne game. It's white with like a green triangle gradient. It's a little bit funky, a little bit fun. So I uh, quite enjoyed getting to see them wear that against South Melbourne. And the very last thing I have is the Dandy Fog at the Dandy City Altona game. I was out there and it, you literally watched it descend. At the start of the second half, it was as high as the... Uh, the light towers and then as the half went on you just watched it descend and by the end of the game it was as low as the crossbar and you're like this is so cool like was that really cold was it really cold out there it do you know what it it was it was absolutely freezing i only wore uh one pair of thin socks and took me about oh two minutes to regret that Two minutes to go. Jeez, I really uh, should have thought that through. But, mate, I will pre-plan my uh, clothing attire more thoroughly this weekend uh, when venturing out to some games, which brings us nicely into the preview segment. Let's take a look at the games coming up this weekend, mate. What have we got in store? Yeah, I'll read us through them. Now, I've already put my tips down, but we have not gone through them together. So as I go through the fixtures, I'll get you to either confirm or deny that my tips are absolutely brilliant. On Friday night at 8 p.m., we have got Green Gully hosting Dandy City. Bran, what do you think of my tip of Green Gully? I I, I agree with that. I think Green Gully should get the points here. I think this is in over Altona. Uh, I asked the question, you know, like, if you can't beat teams in the relegation against them, Melbourne have been Avondale's bogey side they of late. do have teams. them in the cup uh, coming up. Not so much as Heidelberg. Yeah, yeah, in the league, in the Doherty Cup semi-final as well. So I'm, I'm with you on Avondale, but uh, very much looking forward to getting some eyeballs on this yeah, one. very much so. At 5.30 on Saturday, Hume City will host a pretty goddamn good dandy Thunder. Branson, I've tipped a draw for this one. I think you're on point. I think both teams are very, very good. I, I, I think Josh Bingham will score. I think Bernardo will score, and I think it'll be a draw. Oh, very good. You've even gone for a correct score almost. Christ. <laughs> um, next one on Saturday night, 6.30 p.m., Altona Magic hosts the Knights. A little bit of mediocrity in this one, but, Bran, I've gone for the Knights. Thoughts? I agree with you. Again, uh, Altona... They've only won one game. Hard to hard to be confident while tipping them. They had a good 45 minutes against Dandy City, but uh, a good 45 minutes does not equate to a good game. So I'm, t- I'm with you on the Knights. They're bloody good. Uh, look, and we turn our attention to Sunday at 3 p.m., St. Auburn Saints versus South Melbourne. Well. Yeah. Tell me here, because you've tipped St. Auburn, so talk me through it. I just... You were talking before about maybe South Melbourne turning their attention away from the league. St. Albans, they need to eventually get a win. I was very unimpressed with South Melbourne this week. And I just think, look, if there is ever a time, this is it. And I also think that with our tips, because we're so far behind, or at least I assume we're so far behind, kind of have to take a couple of risks here. And I think this is a calculated risk. Okay. All right. Uh, let, Let me just say, if South Melbourne don't win, then that's just so bad for them. Do we go for a draw you know, like, Do we change it to a draw? No, nah, no, nah, I love it. You've gone for St. Albans. You've gone all in. Uh, let's stick with it. But Saint, uh, sorry, South Melbourne, you know, they've been in poor form in the league. If they don't win this one, serious questions to be asked. Big questions to be asked. Maybe even managerial questions. Dare you say it? Dare I say it? Um, I dare say the last fixture of the weekend, Sunday, 5 p.m., Heidelberg United host Eastern Lions, and I'm going for a draw here. And don't ask me to say why, because I can't really justify it. Oh, I don't mind this one. I'll go go, go, go. 
Just Eastern Lions were quite good for a spell in the Avondale game, and Heidelberg United are not at their lofty best, so maybe oh, Eastern Lions. So yeah, draw. Yeah, they've had a couple of, uh, of 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 decent results as well. I mean, like they beat the Knights, they beat South. Did they beat South Melbourne? Oh, I can't remember if they beat very South early Melbourne. in the season, didn't they? Uh, don't know. No, no, they drew with South yeah. Melbourne, so they're they're capable of a of a strong result. Only lost one nil to Heidelberg last time they faced. So, yep, draw. Happy with that, mm. mate. Good tips. I like it. Lovely. Turning our attention to the NPLW, we have got Calder United hosting Alamein, Bayside United taking on Box Hill. Then we got some very spicy fixtures coming up. Heidelberg United hosting FV Emerging. And the big one, South Melbourne, taking on the Bulleen Lions. That is going to be a cracker. All of those games kick off on Saturday afternoon. There or thereabouts, 3 p.m. Definitely go out to those, particularly that South Melbourne Bulleen Lions game. That will be an absolute cracker. Yeah, absolutely. Lots on the line there. Uh, will Bulleen, who have been in good form lately, will they be able to stop South Melbourne? Very much looking forward to that. Very much looking to all the uh, Victorian football we have in store, mate. There's still plenty to come, and I'm excited for absolutely all of it, mate. Yes. Um, that has been another bumper episode. I am at Chambershire on Instagram. You are at Branson Gibson on Twitter. We are Semi-Pro Potty on Instagram and Twitter, so give us a follow, check us a like, just do whatever you want. It's your Instagram and Twitter accounts. You just do what you need to do. Um, let us know what games you're going to over the weekend and thank you very much for joining us for the Match Day 17 episode of the Semi-Pro Podcast.